All right. Hey, Rockbridge, uh, my name is Matt. Just want to welcome you if you've gathered with us at any of our six locations, or maybe you're watching digitally online on some kind of device in your car, in your living room, wherever. Uh, we're glad that you're with us, glad that you're tuned in. We're going to kick off a new, uh, new series today called Back to the Basics. So the uh, other day, our, uh, I turn on the TV, and you know, cable is all that, it's called complicated, right? It's all these boxes and Wi-Fi this and satellite, all that kind of stuff. So I had an error message on the screen, and, you know, it had some error code, right? And it's like 75 digits long, and, and you know, you call this number for help. And so, you know, I'm like, okay. And so I call, and then they're like, hey, uh, someone will be with you in approximately 74 minutes and, you know, they'll call you back or you can wait on the line and so yada, yada, yada. So we go through that and I'm like, man, that, I'm just thinking this is going to be so complicated to fix. And I mean, I, I, what's going on? Did something get severed? What's, what's happening? I mean, the error code that long. And I, I get the person and they're like, hello, sir, tell me what's going on. I, I describe it. I say, hey, I've got this error code and you know, okay. And, uh, and they said, here's what I want you to do. I'm like, okay. And I'm like ready to go. They're like, go up to the box. Okay. Are you there, sir? Yes. Unplug it. <laughs> oh, okay. Now what? Wait 20 seconds plug it back in, let it reboot. Now, is it working? And I was like, is that it? And, and it worked. <laughs> and I'm like, I was expecting, you know, technician, I'm expecting, you know, we're going to miss the Super Bowl. You know, it's so complicated. And uh, so, but it's crazy though, right? That sometimes in our minds, we think the problem is so big that the solution is going to be so complicated and, and that it's just going to take, you know, a miracle and 55 things in order to solve a problem. And, and what I want us to understand is we, we are going through an unprecedented time in our, in our nation, in our country, and, uh, and, and you are and I am in, in our lives. But oftentimes, the key to, to moving forward is simply like just to go back. And it's something simple. It's something fundamental. It's something basic. I, I, I'm always uh, reminded of this story by a legendary NFL football coach, Vince Lombardi. You know, and the Lombardi Trophy, the Super Bowl winners named after him. He would begin every fall camp. And these are professional football players. He would begin every fall camp camp by picking up a football and saying, hey, men, this is a football. And you'd think, y'all, these are grown men. They've been playing football since they were that high. But he's like, we're going to start with the basics. In fact, even in business, they have a term, and, they, and it's really, and they call it, we just got to get back to blocking and tackling. It's like an expression, but it means the basic fundamental skills, tasks, or roles necessary to the function of something. It is a reference to football in which blockers and tacklers have the least glamorous positions but are critically important to the team as a whole. And, and, you know, I, I was thinking about this in, in a lot of the series that a, a lot of times the solution is so simple, but we're not receptive to it. And, and I remember that one of the times that I, I was helping someone cross the line of faith and I explained the gospel and how easy it is to become a Christian. And we, we were at lunch at a restaurant just a little about two blocks from here. And he looked back at me and he said, after I explained the gospel, he looked back at me and he said, is that it? And I said, yeah. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. And he crossed the line of faith and he, and he was baptized. And I think sometimes we have this silver bullet mentality. It's got to be new. It's got to be different. Like sometimes, you know, I've sat with couples and I'm like, hey, what can we do to improve our marriage? Our marriage is falling apart. I'm like, hey, pray together. And they look at me and they're like, what? Hey, when's the last time y'all had a date night? Huh? 
Hey, hey Matt, how, how can I grow my relationship with God? Are you ready, 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 ready? Set your alarm clock 15 minutes earlier and spend about five, 10 more minutes with God in the morning. And, and, and we're like, that, that's not glamorous. That's not sexy. That's not new. That's not different. But it's fundamental and it's basic. And so what we're going to do in this series, we're going to share with you several basic fundamental things that I, I believe can, can move us all forward in our journeys with God and our faith walk. And, and listen, when we share these things, you're going to be tempted to like, huh? That's it? Just unplug and plug back? That's it? That's all I got to do? And, and you're going to be tempted to want to overlook it. But you do so at your detriment and my detriment. So here we go. Today, we're just going to talk about what I think is the, is the very first basic principle here. And, and it all hinges on this point that you got to start at the right spot. That if we don't start at the right spot, when, when we're making a decision, we're making a situ, when we're dealing with a situation in our journey with God, if we don't start at the right spot, we'll end up at the wrong destination. We'll arrive at the wrong conclusion. So today, we're going to talk about where we all need to start. And, and, and it'll get clearer as we, as we navigate through the text. But to get to this, what is the right spot, we're going to talk about a character that many of you are familiar with, but we, we may not realize how much we have in common with this guy. The guy's name is Pontius Pilate. He's the governor of Judea when Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem. And, and I, I, as I'm reading this text, I'm like, man, I have way more in common with Pilate than I, than I want to admit. But he's going to show us in this interaction with Jesus, there's about 22 verses in the Gospel of John. John devotes a lot of attention to this interaction. We're going to see the right spot. Now, Pilate, I'm going to be honest with you, he doesn't start with it, nor do, we or, nor do you or I often. So here we go, back to the basics. So here, here's what's happening. Jesus being tried for being, you know, for what he claimed to be. There's all this conspiracy, and they're taking him from all these Roman leaders and Jewish leaders back and forth, back and forth, just trying to get rid of him. So here's what happens. They led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. Pilate's the governor of Judea. And Pilate came out to them, and he said, hey, what charge do you bring against this man? So why are you bringing him to me? And they answered and they said, well, if he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. They just want to get rid of Jesus because Jesus is a threat to their power. And Pilate told them, well, you take him and judge him according to your law. This is a Jewish problem. This is not a Roman problem. This is a problem with your religion, not with my politics. And he just tries to shirk Jesus aside. And he said, and they come back to Jesus and they say, or come back to Pilate and they say, well, it's not legal for us to put anyone to death. We're Jewish people, right? We have the law, that whole thou shalt not murder thing, right? We can't put him to death, but we want you to do it for us, Pilate. And, they, and then they said this, though, and this is going to be significant as we navigate forward. So I just highlight it and want you to start remember it. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Only the Romans had invented crucifixion and perfected it, and that's how Jesus was destined to die. So then Pilate went back into the headquarters. He summoned Jesus, and he said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And so here's Pilate's dilemma. Here's Pilate's dilemma. What do I do with this man? What do I do with this guy? 
Now, now here, here's how you and I begin to meet Pilate in, in the story. We begin to meet Pilate in the story because you and I face situations, and, and, we're, and we're like, what do I do in this situation? And all of us have a starting point for how to deal with a situation. You do in your marriage. You do in your job. You do with your relationship with God. It's like, what do I do in this situation? And we have a place where we need to start from. And most of us won't start here, yet everything hinges upon us starting here. So, so we've got to understand, we've got to get the starting point right. And so Jesus goes back to Pilate and asks him a question and, and says, okay, why do you care? What are you doing? And they, he says, are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? Are you, what, where are you coming from, Pilate? What are you starting with, Pilate? What's, this, what's, what's behind you asking me, am I the king of the Jews? And, and Pilate comes back and says, hey, I'm not a Jew, am I? Don't bring me into your little religious squabble. Pilate replied, he says, your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. And he says, what have you done? What have you done and, and what's going on? And, and so Pilate is trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. He's getting pressure from the Jews. He's the Roman governor. And there's already been some revolts of Jews against Rome, and, and it didn't look good back in, in the capital city if the, if the governor, you know, let politics and riots develop. So he's got political pressure. He's got, you know, pr keeping the peace with the Jews, all these different things going on, all these competing things, all the politics and pres preservation of his own power. And what's going to happen as you navigate and read through the Gospels, you'll see this. Pilate comes to this conclusion. He says it like four times in, in, the, in the Gospels. He'll say, I find no grounds for charging him. In other words, Jesus is not guilty of anything. He, he, he doesn't deserve to die. And he says it multiple, multiple times. And in fact, in Matthew, his wife has a dream. And she says, hey, Pilate, I had a dream about Jesus. And she calls him a righteous man. And she says, you need to have nothing to do with him. You, we need to get rid of him. We need to not worry. I mean, get, let him go. Get him out of our story. Get him out of our life. And she says, I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. And then there reaches a point in the story where Pilate says, from that moment, he kept trying to get rid of, release Jesus. He didn't want to crucify him. He didn't want to charge him. But the Jews shouted, says, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. And these are Jews. They don't even like Caesar. But they're using Caesar against Pilate because Pilate knows he has to keep Caesar happy. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So here's the question. Why could Pilate not release Jesus? And it's because he has the wrong starting point. Why, why, why can Pilate not, not release Jesus? It, it's the same problem that you and I have when we're dealing with stuff in our lives. That, that there's this basic thing, this fundamental thing that we're tempted to skip over. It's like, hey, have you tried to turn the power on, turn the power back on? Try to unplug it, plug it back in? Have you tried just to, you know, get up a little bit early and, 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 and get a time with God in? Have you tried to just date your wife again? Ha, have you tried just to pray with your kids? And, and we're like, no, 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 there's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be more to it than that, right? So, so here, here's some bad starting points. What are people going to think? What will they say? How, how many of us, when we're dealing with something, 
and we're like, hey, what, what, what are other people going to think about this? What will be most popular? What's going to keep me out of trouble? What will preserve me or pr- promote my position? See, a lot of times that's where we start. A lot of times we start with w- what others might think, what we might lose, what it might cost. And if you boil all that down, most of the time, all of these things add up to about one of three things where we always start with this. Here's what I feel, what I think, what I believe, or this is the way I see it. We start with a preoccupation with self or what other people might think. We start with, hey, uh, you know, this is what I think I need to do. This is where I think I should go. If I do this, they're going to be mad at me. If I do that, she's not going to like it. If I do that, people might talk about me. And and we just start with a, a combination of that comes, here's what I feel, what I think, and what I believe. And you see Pilate being torn. With all these demands, the Jews and the threat of Caesar and all these political pressures and everything going there, and, and, and he just doesn't, he just starts with not, not what he should start with. He starts with political pressure and blackmail by the Jewish people and what was going to be popular and what's going to keep him in power. And then Jesus comes back and he says, Hey, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. Now, look what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's, there's so much more going on than you're recognizing, that you're aware of, and that you're submitted to. There, there's, it's more than just this little, one little moment in your day, Pilate. There's so much more going on. He says, but as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And then Pilate comes back and he says, hey, but you are a king then. He says, yeah, you say, he says, you say that I'm a king and I was born for this. I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asks the question that he should have started with, and it's the basic. What is the truth, said Pilate. And, and here's what I want to suggest based on this story is this is back to the basics principle number one that we would commit fully to the truth. Now, now I, I know, again, I, when you read that, you're like, take the power and plug it back in. Is that it? What, 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 that, that just seems so basic or so similar or so crazy or so easy. But when you think about it, though, most of the time when you're faced with a situation, you don't stop and think, hey, what is the fundamental guiding truth or guiding principle that I need to follow, that I need to be aware of? Most of us think, how do I stay out of trouble? How do I look good? How do I not look bad? Most of us start with our fear or our worry or ourself. We don't start with a commitment to the truth. We, we don't start with, hey, what is true about this situation? We start with what I feel about this situation. We don't start with what is true. You know, what is true is what I think, what I perceive, what I believe. How many times have you heard people make this statement? And they make it with a degree of arrogance. And, and, and Christians do it too. And I, you know, I've done it. They'll say, well, here's what I believe. And, and I just sometimes want to say, it really doesn't matter what I believe unless what I believe is true. How many of us have said, hey, well, this is what I feel. This is what my gut says, and I'm just following my heart. How how many of us, our hearts have led us down a path called dumb? And it sounds so good. Like, let's make a song about it. Just follow your heart, okay? Your heart's not meant to be followed. It's meant to be led by truth. But we will put our feelings 
our thoughts, our perceptions on the throne and follow them and never question them with this question Pilate gives us. Hey, what's true? What's the truth? And it, Pilate's considering politics. He's considering impressions. What are they going to think? How do I stay on the power? And he just stumbles on this. Hey, Jesus says, I'm here to talk about the truth. And people who follow me, listen to me, they're interested in the truth. So something about following Jesus, being a Christian, is, is connected to the truth, which he'll unpack a little bit later. And Pilate just throws out this question, what is truth? And I'm like, that's what you should have started with. What's true about this man the Jews brought, you, brought to you? What's true about him, Pilate? Instead, you're trying to finagle and, fin and make this group happy and that group happy and not make them mad, not make Caesar mad, and you're discombobulated, Pilate. And that's how we feel so many times. You know, I, I'm a football guy. I was raised by a football coach. And, and, man, we need to change this offense and change that offense. We need to run the air raid. No, we need to run the... Sometimes you just need to block and tackle. Pastor, how can I save my marriage? Hey, just pray with your bride, brother. Is that it? Yeah. It's cheap, too. It doesn't even cost you an attorney. It doesn't even cost you a rest, nice restaurant. Just pray with your wife. Is that it? Is that all I got to do? Commit fully to the truth. Now, we're more like Pilate. Because Pilate asked Jesus this question, doesn't even wait for the answer. Look what happened. After he said this, he went out to the Jews and told them again. Hey, I find no grounds for charging him. But, but, but in his mind, he's scheming. And he's like, how can I get out of this? And he says, hey, look, 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 y'all have this custom that I can release one prisoner, a Jewish prisoner to you at the celebration of the Passover. And he's like, surely they'll want me to release Jesus because Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. So he says, hey, do you want me to release your king, the king of the Jews? And they say, no, 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 don't release Jesus. Release Barabbas, who's this revolutionary guy, this actual violent uh, criminal that Rome had had, had to arrest. And, and, and so it backfires. And so he's still stuck with Jesus because he's not committed to the truth. And, and so here's what I, I'm finding that I, I relate to Pilate. Maybe you do too. Like Pilate, you know, we're tempted to make the truth relative to our interpretation of our situation. That's what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to take a situation, take something that we're going through, right? And, and, and then we say, this is how I see it. This is how I perceive it. And, and, and then we just give that ultimate authority and we navigate forward. You know, I, I, the truth is relative to what I have interpreted, what I see. How, how many of us have ever had this situation where you thought you saw something? And man, it worked you up. You got fired up. You're ready to post a tweet, you know, call somebody, shoot somebody. You're all anxious. You're all stressed. And then the next day comes and, and, and you tell somebody, they're like, no, 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 that's not what was going on at all. You looked at it all wrong. You, you came to the wrong conclusion because you went with the wrong starting point. You didn't ask what is true. You went with what you thought you saw or what you thought or how you interpreted that. And, and but that's how we're like Pilate. And, and then like Pilate, our natural minds work against us when we believe they're working for us. Your mind, my mind, apart from Jesus Christ, is broken. Your mind, my mind, apart from Jesus Christ, 
is, uh, is failed and flawed. And so our minds will work and our minds will scheme and our minds will talk to us and tell us things. And, and, and they're things that sound good, make us feel good, but they're not always based on truth. I, I'll give you a couple of examples, okay? You, got, you have one of these that goes off every morning. And you're like, you know you need to get up. You know you need to get up. And, and you hate it. And so you silence it. And, you're, and your, your mind's like, oh, I can sleep five more minutes. And then you sleep five more. Oh, I can sleep four more minutes. And you sleep four more minutes. And the next thing you know, your whole day is off track, right? You're yelling at your spouse. You're yelling at your kids. You're late to work. You, you know, you missed a spot on your shave. You forgot deodorant, right? And everybody around you now hates you. And all that's going on. And where did it start? Because you ignored, yeah, you really need to get up at this time. Here's another one, okay? My mind, this one takes my mind bad places, okay? My mind, it just goes bad places, right? I mean, I, I see this sign come on and I'm like, man, uh, I've worked out today or at least five days ago. Surely I can cheat and have a donut, right? And those things aren't really bad for me and they're pretty good for And my mind just goes to work, right? Your mind is gifted to that. In fact, when you and I twist, suppress the truth, the scriptures call it this, that it, we suppress the truth. And that's why God is offended and has to judge us. And so we'll suppress the truth and we'll say things like, hey, we'll say things like this, hey, it's just love. Uh, we'll say things like, hey, God will just forgive and we'll suppress the truth because our minds will work to try to give us what we want in that moment. Pilate knows there is nothing about Jesus where he deserves to die. And he still won't release him. He suppresses the truth and follows the crowd. We're a little bit more like that want to admit, right? Now, not only are our minds working against us, Satan works against us. Let me tell you what your enemy wants to do to you and to me. He wants to either break the hold the truth has on us or keep the truth from taking hold of us. One of two things. He wants to break the hold the truth has on us or keep the truth from taking hold. Some of you, this may be your story. You grew up a Christian. You became a Christ follower when you're a teenager or college or a little bit kid, and man, everything is good, and everything is good, and everything is good, and you love Jesus, and you love Jesus, and you love Jesus, and then all of a sudden you go to college, or all of a sudden you get your per first paycheck, or all of a sudden you have your first significant other. And then what you used to think was true is now sort of kind of true, but maybe it's not true in this situation. And you begin to go from truth to half-truth to full-fledged lie. And then if, 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 hey, how are you in God? How are you in Jesus? How are you right now? You're like, eh. Right? What is Satan trying to do? He's saying, there's nothing really wrong with that. There's not really, God didn't really say that was wrong. He said that to Adam and Eve in the garden, didn't he? And he's been saying it to your soul, my soul, your mind, and my mind ever since. You may not call it Satan. I don't care what you call it. It's against the truth. And the starting point is always the truth. Or Satan wants to keep the truth from taking hold. Here's what he does. He's a deceiver. He plants doubts and he puts question marks where God has put periods. He distracts us. See, so people come in here, you know, and, 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 they, don't, and they come in to li you know, listen to a sermon and Satan doesn't want you to listen. Satan doesn't want you to wake up five minutes early to have time with, him, with God. I mean, so there's all, and we're living in a world of distraction. That's one of the things he does. 
Just call it what it is, because if he can keep you from the truth, he can keep you from freedom and the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And then difficulties. He brings difficulties along where you and I start to think, and we say, here's what we think. Man, it is more difficult to hold on to the truth than to live for the world. Pilate said, if I let Jesus go, I'm going to pay a political price, and I'm not willing to pay that price. And so here's what happens now. Listen, whenever the truth is ignored or a deception is trusted, a stronghold forms in your mind and in your soul. A stronghold, another word for a stronghold is a pattern, a habit, a rut. A pattern, a habit, a rut. It's a mental block. So anytime, and I'll give you some examples, anytime something bad happens to you, you become unglued. And, and, and you fly off the handle, or you go to, I'm worthless, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. Those are strongholds. When I, if I sit up here and I say, listen, God loves you no matter what you've done, that the price Jesus paid is bigger than the mess you made, that you can't outrun God's love for you. Some of you right now are like, no, 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 God can't love me. God can't forgive someone like me. God doesn't have a plan for somebody like me. God can't use somebody like me. God, you know, you don't know, Matt, you don't know what I did. That's a stronghold. Let's call it what it is. It's not of God. It's not of God. It's of Satan. It's of the enemy. Satan uses the coronavirus. Satan uses the pandemic. Satan will use presidential politics to make us think we have no hope or to make us think our hope is in something of this world when our Savior told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And strongholds form. And the reason some of you might say, I'm stuck here today, this weekend. I'm in a rut here. I've hit a plateau. I've hit a wall. Where do you go to? And you're like, I don't know how to tear down that wall, Matt. I don't know how to get out of this rut, Matt. I'm going to tell you how. You've got to go back and you've got to ask Pilate's question, but keep asking it until it crystallizes in your soul. What is the truth? See, so here what happened to Pilate. He's in a stronghold. How do I know? Pilate was more afraid than ever. Now, that makes no sense to me because Pilate in first century Jerusalem is the most powerful man in 200 miles. Pilate can kill anybody he wants. He can have any woman he wants. He can go to his, summer, you know, his spring place. He can go to his palace. He can say jump, and everybody's got to say how high because he works for Caesar. And yet in his spirit, he is more afraid than ever. Why? Because he's not started with truth He's not started with who is this man, Jesus. He's started with how do I protect my own skin, my own ego, my own power. What do I do in this tiny little situation? He's got a stronghold. He goes back into the headquarters. He said, Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus didn't give him an answer. And so Pilate said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? He goes, don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? In other words, I'm the most powerful guy in the room. You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it had not been given to you from above. And then from that moment on, Pilate kept trying to release him. In other words, Pilate, truth does not begin with you. 
truth starts outside of you. A lot of us have a hard time with that, right? Because we're what I feel, what I think, what I believe, what I see people. And Jesus just said, no, no, no. It all starts in a transcendent spot that's way bigger than Matt, way bigger than Pilate, way bigger than this little moment of history that you and I are living in. And that's why we have to start with the truth. Because like Pilate, we do not get to determine what is true, but we get to choose rather our commitment to it. I I don't get to choose what is true. I don't get to choose if gravity affects me or not. I don't. I don't get to choose that. And that's, but in our world today, it's like, oh, you do you. you. You believe what you believe, and you believe what you believe, and everybody will be fine. Well, what if what you believe hurts what me? What if what you believe conflicts with what I believe? Because nobody's asking the question, what is true? Nobody's looking to the answer of what is truth. And here is the picture of truth, the essence of truth, right before Pilate. And so if we would just go back and say, okay, what is true? It would have profound implications. So let's let's wrestle with Pilate's question for just a minute. Here's his question, what is truth? That's the question we have to start with to start our day. It's the question we have to start with when we move move forward in our situation. So here's my definition of truth, the biblical definition of truth. Truth for a lot of people is their perception or their tradition or what's popular. Most people, you know, a lot of people determine what's true by taking a poll. Well, everybody's talking. What does that mean? Here's truth for, the, for Christianity. Truth is a person, and that person, Jesus, reveals what is true through his word. Remember what Jesus said? So that all of his, or what John said, all of his words may be fulfilled. See, the Bible would say it this way, all your words are true, your word is truth, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. It is not popular, okay, again, I'm going to just admit it, it is not popular for us to say, for me to say, hey, this word right here, this Bible is perfect, it's authoritative, it's God's truth for us in written form. Not popular for me to say it. And I could sit up here and, and describe and defend how we got the Bible and why, you know, and how history kind of, val- history validates the Bible and how there's all this evidence for what the Bible says. But here's the bottom line. Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, affirmed the Bible. He endorsed the Old Testament and he inspired the New Testament. And because he's our Lord, this book is, is our truth because it's his truth. So truth is a person who reveals what is true through his word. Now, here's, the, here's, the, here's why this is so important to me, okay, and so important to you. Your future, your hope, your identity, your salvation, the assurance of your salvation, those are important things. Who you are where you're headed, where you'll spend eternity, what you're hoping in, those are hugely significant questions. If there's no truth, then the answer to that is always it depends. Who are you? Well, it depends. Depends how I do in the game tomorrow night. Depends what the boss says of me. Hey, what are you hoping in? Well, I'm hoping it all works out. Do you think it's going to work out? I don't know. It depends. You know, that puts you and I immediately on shaky ground. Hey, do you, if you died, and, and, and you di- would you go to heaven? If you, do you have eternity? Is that all? I, well, it depends. What does it depend upon? You see? 
But if it's truth, if there's truth and I can say, hey, who are you? I am who God says I am and nothing will change that. Hey, do you have hope? I do have hope. I have eternal hope. I have an inheritance that's for me in heaven that no virus can take away, no recession can take away, no negative post on social media can take away. That's truth. So things that are vital to the health of your soul depend upon truth or else we're living in it depends. And if you're an it depends person, is it any wonder that your happiness is so shaky and your anxiety can come upon you just like that? So we have to make this, are we going to believe, be people who live the truth or not? And that takes us to the second thing. Truth must dominate our decisiveness. Now, now here's what I mean. Pilate became decisive, but he was not decisive about what was true. He was decisive about what he thought would protect his own position of power. A lot of times we get decisive about our emotions. We get decisive about what other people would say. And I don't want to make them mad. I, I, I want to be on their side. And what, we're, what we need to be if we're going to start be people of truth is when I know what's true, I am always going to align to it and act in accordance with it. Period. No ifs, ands. So what that means practically is we have to learn to welcome the truth, not just when it comforts us, but even when the truth confronts us and corrects us. That's what it means to be people of truth when we go back to the, uh, back to the truth or back to the basics. And so he, here's sort of how that fleshes out, okay? We must learn to trust the truth of God's revelation over my situation. So every one of us are in situations. You got work situations, you got COVID situations, you got job, family, all these situations. And those situations speak to you. Those situations, you, we're, we're meaning makers. As human beings, we ha hey, why is this happening? What's really going on here? And we're always trying to figure out what's our situation saying. And our situations will talk to us and tell us things. Our situations may tell us we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Is that true? right? Our situations may say, man, life is failure. My life is futile and I'm just going to be frustrated. Our situation may make you feel worthless, but God's revelation says there is not a single worthless person you've ever locked eyes with. Our, 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 God's revelation says you are eternally loved. God's revelation says you have hope that will not disappoint. God's revelation says you have a steadfast father. He's a perfect heavenly father. And so what we have to learn to do is take our situation, but let the weight of God's revelation give us sight and perspective and insight so then we can live God's truth in the specific situation. Pilate is face to face with the epitome of God's revelation. Hebrews 1.1 says the son is the exact representation of the father of God. But Pilate, it's the weight of his situation that shadows or covers up God's revelation, and he totally misses an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Second, we have to trust truth over our feelings. H have we ever said this, man, I just can't help how I feel? There's a certain amount of truth to that. But what's problematic about that is when you give your feelings more authority over the direction that you're going to take than God's truth, God's roar, God's revelation. 
So we have to learn to trust the truth over our feelings and to put more stock in what God says than in what we feel. Have you ever had a moment where you just felt worthless? Have you ever had a moment where you just like, I don't, I don't know if anything's going to happen, anything positive is going to happen. Somebody said something about you and you're, like, you're, you're undone. What are we doing? How it made you feel is, is trumping what God has said and what God has revealed and what God has given to us in his word and in his truth. So we have to trust truth over our feelings. And then last, freedom may require us to confront our story with truth. Freedom may require us to confront the story we're living, the story we're believing with the truth of God's word. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus or Paul said this, we have to take every thought captive to obey Christ. I wonder if we're honest right now. How many of us are believing a lie or a half-truth? As long as nobody gets hurt, nothing's wrong with it. As long as nobody finds out, I'm okay. How many of us are saying, hey, I'm not sure if I love my spouse. I just don't feel it. Is love, is love a feeling or is love a verb? What does God's word say? Because that's where truth is found. Couples tempted to throw in the towel on their marriage. You know, and, and legally they give you an out. It's called no-fault divorce law. It's fine. Legally you can do that. The truth is, I can read it to us, God hates divorce. What is truth? You're a teenager. Puberty, friends, popularity, peer pressure. Man, I just want to fit in. I want to be accepted. I want to be accepted. What is truth? You can have the acceptance of God Almighty in heaven. What is truth? Hey, money will make me happy. Money will make me happy. What is truth? Money is the root of all evil, but Jesus is your prize and your portion. You have to start with truth, or else you end up believing a lie and being trapped in a stronghold. How many people are addicts today because they thought that one beer would make them happy and popular? How many people lost their marriage because of one night? on a road trip because, oh, it'll feel good and nobody will know. And on and on and on we can go. So the question is, I mean, who are the pilots today? We've all hopefully recognized that there's a little bit of pilot in each and every one of us. But the pilot today is oftentimes the person who will never decisively commit to giving Jesus Christ their sins and the steering wheel of their lives. Now, they may say, hey, I believe in Jesus, and I'm a pretty good person. But I've never really just said, here I am, God, all of me. 
And I just wonder, Pilate missed Jesus. I just wonder if any of us, today needs to be our day where we see truth is first and foremost a person. A person worth surrendering to, worth trusting, worth following because he died for us, he died instead of us, he died to free us. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and decisively decide today is the day, make that commitment in your spirit and your soul right now. You can share it with us through next step cards, conversations in our lobby or through our online forms, but share it with someone so we can walk forward in the hope and the truth that is Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I know. For every single person here, it doesn't matter if you just became a Christian five seconds ago or if you've been one 50 years. Here's what I know. Your greatest battle and my greatest battle is not what's happening with the virus outside. It's not what's happening in politics. It's not what they said about you on social media. It's not what's going on under your roof when you get home. Your greatest battle is going to always be a truth battle. And, and when you turn on the TV for five hours or you, 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 know, you read social media, you know, every eight seconds you get this notification. And, you, and I'm going to just tell you, we're not, if that's what's going, you and I, if that's our, if that's our rhythm, we're not hearing truth. And what your soul, my soul needs is an intake of truth. It's not enough when you're, when I, I became a Christian when I'm eight years old, right? Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. I said yes to that. I can never graduate from that truth. I can never graduate from that truth. Because what happens when I'm, when I'm 15, 16, and my friends go left, and I'm trying to stay with Jesus, I'm like, my goodness, uh, I, I want to be with my friends, and I want acceptance. But when I was eight years old, Jesus accepted me, I accepted him, and, and he loves me more, most, and best. So what is truth? i got to stay with Jesus. I never graduate from that. It's a truth battle. And so we have to increase our exposure to truth. And he, here's what I want to ask all of us, okay? Do you have an intentional plan to bring truth into your mind and to keep truth in front of you so that truth wins? Not what you feel, not what you think you saw, but truth wins. When, when you're faced with a situation and you don't, you're, you're like, Pilate, what do I do, what do I do? What is truth? And it brings you back and it puts you deeper into God's word and it puts you on a path that God can bless, that God can honor, and God can use. Listen, we send out time with God four, five, six times a week. You can take your phone out right now, TWG, type in that number and click it, right? And it'll just come to your phone. I can't think of a better investment. Parents, on Sunday nights at the link, we, our kids have, I went the other night up to our Ringo campus. Our kids have fun, but they hear truth. In fact, when my kid gets in the car, I don't ask him, do you have a good time? I ask him, what did you learn? Because listen, if it's all about, did you have a good time? Eventually, that's going to lead my son to a stronghold. It lead me to a stronghold, leads you to a stronghold. What is truth? Back to the basics. Truth is a person. 
who loves you more than anything, who died in your place, and who invites you to trust him every moment of every day. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and I thank you, and I pray, God, that truth would have a home in our minds, our hearts, our marriages. I pray that truth would have a home, God, in our nation once again. But God, right now, I just pray if anybody has given you or is giving you the steering wheel of their life, and today is their day, not to walk past you like Pilate, but to stop and say yes to you, Jesus. I thank you if for folks who are saying that right now. And I pray for all of us, God, that we would come back to the basics in this powerful, important question of asking what is the truth. And when we see the truth in your word, we would live it out in our lives. We pray all these things in your mighty name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.